This is the Gambling Gauchos. Somebody turn on some damn music! You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the money line matadors, the casino cowboys, the parlay picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. With the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the gambling gauchos. I am Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. How about them Cowboys? It's been a good day. I wouldn't go that far. This is a leather hat, by the way. Just I don't know if you can see it on the on the stream there. It's all leather. I mean, it, it's always a good day in West Texas. That's true. I wish some of the NFL games had gone, yeah, you know, a little bit differently. A little bit, like thirty-eight points. Yeah. Different. Well, that's not a bad loss. No, it's not a bad loss. I mean, like I said. Sometimes poverty franchises with three losses that aren't even winning their division yeah. get hyped up for their Super Bowl and they punch up and pull off the upset. That's what happened today. The Colts choked. Yes. The Colts choked. The Giants looked bad. It's a great day to be a Dallas Cowboy. Eagles got to plus 150 on the money line. I was like, is Matt yeah. Ryan still the Colts quarterback? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Now, yeah. you money. say that. Matt Ryan in the four Colts wins – has four game-winning drives, and he's got 48 in his career. He's a bum. I know, but he's got 48 game-winning drives, so it's not, like, unheard of. He's he washed. Would. He's, like, 39. He's got four game-winning drives this year. So what? Uh, well. He has, I like, guess. six game-losing games, so who cares? Do you remember he threw, like, 17 picks? Six- oh, that was Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub. <laughs> Through like seven picks. That's why Matt Ryan took over, I guess. If I were a more prominent sports voice, uh-huh. I would I would Hey, have, don't sell yourself short. Well, I would have coined a term called the Matt Schaub phenomenon. Uh-huh. For a while there, NFL GMs convinced themselves that a backup quarterback from another roster that played like one or two good games in relief could be paid the big bucks on a long contract to come be their starter. Matt Schaub was kind of the quintessential example of that. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. I think there have been others, but those are always the two well, the that Cowboys I go to. Cowboys did like four or six times in a row. Matt Schaub, Matt Flynn. Bledsoe was the early one. Well, but he was a starter in his own right sure. prior to. I got you. There have been, a, like, okay, Brock Osweiler. Sure, yeah. He got like three amazing contracts for doing absolutely nothing. Because somebody was like, oh, he's tall. And he's their backup quarterback. We could probably give him a four-year, $39 million contract. And, like, surprise, surprise, that did not work out. Anyway. So the Dallas Cowboys won, 
And speaking of the NFL, Tyree Wilson has declared for the draft. Uh, not a surprise. Thank you for your service, young man. It sounded like in his release, he wanted to continue playing. Doctors told him to have the surgery now so he could prepare for the NFL. That's what we thought would happen. That's what's happening. Congratulations for the career and the season. Tyree Wilson will be a top 15 pick, yes or no? Yes. I think he'll be the second edge rusher off the board behind Will Anderson. Here's why I say that. The film is there. The stats are there. What NFL GMs love and what the scouts love are the measurables. Yes. If they, if they see a good edge rusher and he comes in, oh, he's only 6'3 and 7'8, but he was listed at 6'5. I don't know anymore. Yeah. Tyree Wilson, the 6'6, 275, isn't going anywhere. He can run 19 miles an hour. Yeah. Not going anywhere. His arms are long. Somebody's going to measure, he's going to be one of those combine warriors. They measure him at the combine, like, oh, yeah. shoot. Maybe he's, this guy can play football, even though we know he can play football. He's got the stats and. And the measurables. The yes. Chiefs just came out of a timeout and had to sub players in and had to take another timeout. Where are we right now, Rob? We're in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. You can gear up for the final stretch. Oklahoma is going to be a cold one if you need a Texas Tech jacket to go to the Oklahoma game. Uh, the World Cup is here if you want to wear Lubbock Matadors gear to World Cup watch parties. Um, by the way... The Matadors watch party Monday. Look at their Twitter feed if you want to see where that is. Other than that, go gear up at Cardinals. Cardinalsports.com, mycardinalsports.com if you want to look online. Or in Lubbock around 68th Street on Slide Road if you want to check that out in person. The holidays are right around the corner. That's true. You need a gift ID. You can get a gift card. They have all kind. They even have like uh, some women's clothing that aren't even related to athletics. Yeah. And you need to follow them on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening to this Sunday night, if I post this tonight, uh, I believe you can still get twenty percent off Under Armour gear on Cardinals' uh, website and in person. I guess that was too late tonight, but uh, lock that in and follow them on Twitter. My Cardinal Sports on Twitter. Uh, because they have all kinds of deals and stuff that they tweet throughout the weeks. And I'm sure leading up to Christmas, they'll have a lot of great deals for Red Raiders and otherwise. Absolutely. And we appreciate their support of the Gambling Gauchos. Great place you can go knock out a lot of your Christmas shopping if you want to. All right, where do we want to start? Well, I just I do want to clarify two things. Uh, to the audience, we're watching the Chiefs game. So if something happens in this Chiefs game... We will react to it. Um, I want to clarify a second point. Are you an Austin Eckler fantasy owner? No, I'm playing against Herbert, and so they're okay. clearly about to score, and I would rather them run it in than All right. pass so it in. This episode is going to be extra volatile uh, because I'm a Herbert owner. Oh. So I, I want them to throw the ball. Uh, and then also, I'm a Chiefs fan, and so I really don't want the Chiefs to give up any points. So... We'll see how that goes. Uh, let's start with Texas Tech football. Um, and let's start with the defense. Let's start with the positives of the defense and then get to the negatives of the defense and then get to the offense because I think there are a lot of things to go through in this game. Uh, I, I am hard and fast. We do not complain about road Big 12 wins. We do not. We do not complain about road Big 12 wins. But there are things to look at in this game, namely – no Tyree Wilson and just 
domination in the red zone. Now, Miles Cole blocked a field goal. Their kicker just missed another one. Two? Did they miss three total? They missed two. So you blocked the second one right before half. He missed the first one after the fumble. Two great drives, stance. Because they got three yards after the fumble and had to kick a field goal and right. missed it. Even though it was from the 16. I guess it was kicked from the 13, the 20. So it was a 30-whatever-yard field goal, 37-yard field goal that he just shanked. And then he had two goal line stands off long drives. Both incredible. Creshawn Merriweather was really good. Dog. Dog. Creshawn Merriweather had both of the third down stops inside the five. Also kind of thrust into a more prominent role in Tyree Wilson's absence, Josiah Pierre. Dog. Freshman Joseph Adetere, the only freshman who has burned his red shirt to this point and played more than four games. Dog. And number 17 that I do not remember his name. Isaac Smith. Dog. What? That guy might be a player. And, and he's a redshirt freshman. He was here last year. He's one of those kids from Oklahoma that Wells went and found. Uh, six, six, five, two he, something. I mean, he he's tall and long. He's got a frame for it. He's got a frame for the Deruder defense. Are you saying he's the next Tyree Wilson? Uh, well, uh, well, no. <laughs> but he could be the he. But anyways, Miles Cole, big play. No. Creshawn Merriweather, no. the sack he had at midfield where he took on the running back, it was a delayed blitz. He took on the running back and just ran into his soul and out the other side and ran into Deckers and sacked him. <laughs> Jalen Hutchings dove and cleaned it up, but just some really good defense from Creshawn Merriweather. And he's really, really good short yardage third down and on first and second down. Might be the best linebacker in those kind of niche situations in the Big 12. He is an old-school, run-stuffing middle linebacker. Yes. Tony Bradford on the fourth down sack. No. And then I think it was Jalen Hutchings. I hope I'm crediting the right player here, but on fourth down of Iowa State's last drive, excuse me, third down, it was third and 22. I think it was Jalen Hutchings. No. Chases Deckers down, shoves him out after a – Pretty measly gain, so it sets up 4th and 15. Without some hustle there, if Deckers gets a little bit more, they probably do go for it on 4th down, and you know the game is still in the balance. Instead, they punt. Winds up being the wrong decision because you get a 1st down, then you run the clock out. So yeah, a lot of guys on defense, I think, put on display some great effort, especially in the absence of your best player, a top 15, top 20 type NFL draft pick. That was a big question mark coming in. What is this going to look like? Because we know he's a great pass rusher. But he can also hold his own, stopping the run, and a lot of guys on the defensive front seemingly stepped up in his absence. You also kind of learned late in the day that you were missing some secondary pieces, and yeah. Kobe Miner played quite a bit. Um, you obviously looked confused at times with some new guys playing back there. Um, now you won the game, so, so I'm not I'm not going to dwell on the secondary, but. I think if if moving forward, you got to correct a lot of that stuff if they can't play in the next game either. That's true, and I want to talk more about that, but also let's pay our respects to the opponent, Xavier Hutchinson. No. 
Yeah. That guy's insane. Yeah, he's legit. There were like three plays where Decker threw him the ball. I was like, did he seriously catch that? Where like the coverage wasn't bad. Yeah. He's not open. There's no misassignment. He just like toe taps one right on the sideline. Yeah, him and, and C.D. Lamb had the same catch. Yeah. Except he made it like one-handed one time, like falling yeah. the opposite direction. Yeah. And it wasn't planned. Yeah. Like C.D. went and stood on the sideline. That was a planned throw. I will say, though, on that note, Malik Dunlap was out. And he's had a really good season, I think. Yes. Uh, he was huge in that NC State game, made a ton of plays. Iowa State, not the best offense in the Big 12. In fact, the worst offense in the Big 12. Yeah. But, huh. you, but you made them look like the worst offense. Yeah. And that's not something that you always well, do. Inside the 20. Between the 20s, they moved the ball. Hunter right. Deckers went 23 for 35, right. 294 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. You held them to 10 points is what I was saying. Yes, but here's what – I mean, I noticed this during the game. I was like, man, the wheel routes, the flats, the sidelines are open. But to quantify that on the rewatch, so of Hunter Decker's 23 for 35, 294 yards, I broke it down by their pass plays between the hashes, so the middle of the field, between the hash and the numbers, so kind of more to the outside and then outside the numbers, which is like the real fringe outside of the, of the field. And here's how it breaks down. Outside the numbers, Iowa State was 14 of 20 for 232 yards. That's like, I don't want to do some quick math, 232 divided by 294, 79% of their production, I was going to guess 75, 79% of their production through the air was outside the numbers. They were not using the middle of the field at all. And when they tried, it was pretty much a disaster for them. Right. So between the hash marks, they were 3 for 9 for 25 yards. Now... That includes a blown-up screenplay that Deckers just threw it in the dirt. It also includes that trick play where Xavier Hutchinson throws the ball to Hunter Deckers for an incomplete pass. Yeah. Either way, though. And then outside the hash, but inside the numbers, they were 6 for 8 for 35 yards. So all the damage was on the exterior, the outside of the field. And that's where I think they knew, okay, Texas Tech is missing a good corner, and they targeted that at different depths, shallow, intermediate, deep, and they were hitting on it pretty much all night. When you were pretty obviously – leaving guys in the middle of the field for the run and for the tight ends and for what this offense has done. And you were just daring them to go one-on-one on the outside, and they did. But it worked because you tightened up and you clinched up and you focused on the outside in the in the red zone. So are you, it, was a, it was a great game plan from, from DeRuiter. Are you a ban-the-fade guy in the red zone? I mean, it worked for both teams. Did it work for Iowa State? Well, how'd they score their touchdown? Is that not a fade? It was the wheel route to the tight end who hurdled our dude. Oh, that's right. It was Cup that had the fade. Here's why I'm asking. Oh, so, I, I hate the goal line fade. Well, okay, but if you're Iowa State and you're inside the five twice and yeah. you get stopped on fourth and goal twice trying to run the ball on one of them, Hunter Deckers drops back, it takes all the time, and Tony Bradford sacks him. Why not on one of those eight downs just catch the snap and lob it to Xavier Hutchinson? Yeah. One-on-one against our backup corner. Go into the corner. It's a... I like the corner more than the fade, but yes, the, same thing. Their odds could not have been worse trying that once or yeah. twice than whatever they ran on those eight run, plays. Run the pick play and see if they call it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in that sense, I kind of feel like a little bit lucky that they didn't. If if you ran trips left with Xavier Hutchinson and just did the Mason Tharp play from last week and just have him run in and block and catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage, who's, who's stopping Xavier Hutchinson in three yards? I don't know. 
not Texas Tech, but they didn't ever run that. They were they were not. Um, how should we say? They were not creative. Tom Manning is not creative. Right. And point of attack, you kick their ass. They they beat you on the outside, but point of attack, you kick their ass. Yeah. All night. So I don't want to. I don't want the defense to be reliant on fourth and goal, goal line stands, yeah. or missed kicks. No. But. And you can't dare. Just looking ahead a little bit, you can't dare Dylan Gabriel to do the same thing Stecker no, is doing. But <laughs> if you are going to kind of go the bend don't break route or whatever, uh, they did that pretty well, and they bowed up when it counted, and we won the game because of it, because of some plays they made in the red zone defensively. Yeah, and you made this point on Gouchers After Dark in the past when you've heard bend don't break. It was the Gibbs defense, and yeah. that was, hey, they made a punt twice. Right. That was like score 56, give up 48, and call it bend, don't break. That's it, that's yeah. like not stopping anybody. That's just having the worst defense in the right. power five. And that's not what we saw last night. No, and if, if they move the ball, you know, for 1,000 yards but only score 10 points, that's the point of football is to hold them off the scoreboard. Yeah. So defensively, I thought you had a great game. Uh, just looking at the box score, you probably wouldn't say that, but looking at the scoreboard, that's all that counts for me. And you blocked a field goal. So if all of their attempts had gone in, uh, you still would have won 14, 13 because you blocked one and that's what you're supposed to do. Cyclones fans. We love them. A few of them are obviously frustrated with, especially their offensive coaching staff. So after the game, you know, they're reading some of these stats about, like, well, that's the fewest points Texas Tech has scored in a win since 2001 or 2000 or 2001, I can't remember. And they're like, oh, everybody thinks that they always have some great defensive game against us. It's just our bad coaching staff, our bad offense. Well, guess what? Coaches are part of the team. Yep. And our coaches are better than yours. Can I give a couple of examples on how Iowa State was outcoached? Now, this yes. is a this is a foreign concept to Texas Tech fans, yeah. your team out coaching the other sideline. But I'm gonna give you a couple of examples. Okay, and I also wanna follow this conversation with another coaching conversation. Okay. So it's the we're about to go to half. Iowa State makes a couple of great offensive plays to get into field goal range. Again, uh-huh. using the sideline, they get all the way down into field goal range. Yeah. We have all three timeouts left. McGuire uses the first to ice the kicker. And the fans kind of groan, oh, just kick the field goal. Right. So they line him back up. You have two timeouts left. He calls a second timeout. Oh, come on, just kick the field goal. Now, I don't know if it was in the players' heads at all. The fans hated it. And, you know, cool. Like, it's not Joey McGuire's job to appease the home crowd there. Right. Now, with another timeout in your pocket, Iowa State is probably thinking, oh, he's going to ice us a third time. We're not going to have to, you know, run this play. He doesn't use it. Kind of a bad snap. I don't know if you noticed that. And he kicks it low enough for Miles Cole to get a paw on it, and you block it. That's coaching. Now, I don't know if that strategy works 100% of the time, but to me that looked like a successful icing of the kicker instead of taking three timeouts to half for no reason. Yes. Example number two. This is in the, I think, the third quarter. Iowa State, with about 15 seconds left, they have the ball, 15 seconds left on the play clock, decide they want to substitute after all, which they're allowed to do. But when they sub, they have to give Texas Tech a reasonable amount of time to substitute. So that's when the ref stands over the ball, doesn't let them snap it, 
and our guy does what he should do in that scenario, and you can gripe about the rule. Yeah. He moseys on off the field, and it's always the biggest defensive lineman. Yes. Moseys onto the field, and now there's three seconds, two seconds, and Iowa State burns a timeout. Now, why is that important? Because you fast forward to the fourth quarter, and Iowa State could have used another timeout or two to try and extend the game. Instead, it was they had no option. After we got a first down, the game was over. Yeah. Now, the converse of that. The punt, too, man. That, on I know the, you're getting there. but On the substitutions, Texas Tech did it earlier in the game. Or I don't think they subbed, actually, and Iowa State tried to sub defensively. Shuck and Texas Tech realized there's 12 men on the field. We have a free play. Shuck throws one pretty deep. You know, all things considered with the weather and everything, to Nehemiah Martinez, it's like a 25-yard gain. Uh-huh. They recognize the situation. That's a scenario where we won the substitution battle on both of those plays. And on in one case, you made them burn a timeout that they could have desperately used later in the game. In the other instance, you got 25 yards on a free play. Worst-case scenario, you get five yards, you line it up again, and said we catch them napping and take advantage of it. So that's three examples where you outcoach them. And their fans can gripe and say, well, you know, we should have won if our coaches would have just done da-da-da-da-da. But your coaches didn't, and our coaches did, and that's why we won the game. Agreed. And the the punt, now that is from the the Iowa State forty five, right? They're in plus territory. I don't remember. I know they're it was on, near midfield. They're on their they're on their side of the fifty to go score. Where did that punt finish? Um. I don't remember. Inside the 10? I don't think it was. I can look real quick. Yeah, let's make sure because I should have written this down earlier. I was thinking about it and watched it. And I was like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So you started. This isn't correct. What does it say you started from? It's wrong. It, right, it, where did they punt it, from? So they punted from the. From the 44. From the 45. Uh, no, sorry, they punted for 45 yards. Miles Price returns four yards to the Texas Tech 15. So that means he caught it at the 11. So 45 yards from there would have been – that's 39 on your own side plus six. So that was from their own 44 is where they punted from, right? So, yeah. So you're at the Iowa State 44. So on the other side of the 50, and they get to the 15? Yes. So let's say you go three and out, Texas Tech does, and you punt it, where do you get to? Back to where you were, the 45? Oh, with, probably. With a minute and a half less? No, because I think McNamara would have had a, a slightly better punt. But, like, yeah, okay, let's say Iowa State gets it at their or own you 40. You from the end zone. Why would we be in the end zone, though? Because if you get it from the 15, he's punting from the goal line, at least, or from the five. Okay, if we get zero yards on the three and out? Yeah. Even then, I, I think, think... Best hope possible for Matt Campbell. I think McNamara still had some good punts last night, though. Uh, I don't know. Either, either way, I would say gets the ball back at their own 40, their own 45 right. with 30 seconds, best case scenario. Yeah. So why not... I get it, but why also... Why not try for a penalty and just throw it up to... to Because you've made those plays all night. Throw it to Hutchinson over there. If they were going to punt anyway... The if they were going to punt anyway, they should have lined up with their offense, done a hard count. Yes. And if it doesn't work, you take the delay of game. Because yep. the clock was stopped. Yeah. Because Deckers ran out of bounds on third down. You take the five-yard penalty, you still punt it. Like, you're not you're not losing critical field position there. In today's game, it is more likely to get a pass interference call than to have a perfect punt. Yeah. 
And I understand with the weather and, and Miles Price is returning the punts. He's already got a fumble today. Um, oh, Miles Price. Catch at the inside the five, 38 yards. No. I did not think he was going to catch that. That had to be the ball gets so slippery when it's that cold. Yeah, it, it's tough to describe. That that was a really good catch. It's it's just it's hard to say he made the wrong decision. And if if you could do it five or six times, would they do it the same way? I don't know, but that punt got him beat. Yeah. So it ended as a bad decision because it didn't work, but it also just wasn't a very aggressive decision. Now, that leads me to my next conversation about coaching. Is Matt Campbell a good coach, or did he just have the best players in Iowa State history five years in a row to go seven and five a couple of times? I still think he's a good coach, because part of that is recruiting. So even if you just say, like, well, how did they get a talented roster? Well, he recruited it. Well, David Montgomery was already on campus. He needs a better offensive coordinator, no doubt. But, I I mean, the shine has worn off a little bit, but I still think he's a really good coach. They've never had a good offensive line. Ever. The, only, the offensive line only looked improved because they had David Montgomery and Brees Hall back-to-back, and Brock Purdy was still running for his life the entire time. I don't know. I just, I never thought, I never thought that Iowa State was good, and so I'm kind of just, it, what, do you, what do you call it when you're, uh, uh, bias confirmation. I'm doing a little confirmation bit. Confirmation bias. I'm doing a little confirmation bias here. Uh, but I just I don't see Iowa State going into the new Big Twelve on a strong footing if Matt Campbell and Tom Manning and John Heacock are doing the same thing. They'll always have a good defense. But another point that was made last night uh, from the real TJ Otzelberger. Um, who is a Twitter follow that that joins the Gauchos After Dark several times, an Iowa State fan. Um, something that I had not thought of or didn't think of because Iowa State's not my team, and I don't think it's a problem for Texas Tech. Because Texas Tech has the Matador Club, and Texas Tech has paychecks going to the football team. But two of Iowa State's best players left in the transfer portal for NIL deals. And if Iowa State can't get a collective... If Iowa State can't compete in NIL, they're going to be back in the bottom of the Big 12, and it's going to be fairly quick. They also recruit in the state of Ohio a lot. Yeah, and they're, what, the seventh best option? With Cincinnati's going to murder them. With Cincinnati coming in, if you're, if you're a prospect in the state of Ohio, and let's say you're not a Big 10 prospect, like Ohio State, Michigan aren't calling, are you going to go to Cincinnati or Iowa State? Yeah, the Cincinnati. I mean, it, that's fairly easy. And look, we love our Iowa State friends. Yeah, no, but it's a fair question to say, what is their, what's their next move? What is their trajectory? Because since 2020, it's, it's trended down. They had a lot of hype going into 2021. They underwhelmed. They still had a solid season, but not the season they were hoping to have. And this year, they're pretty arguably the worst team in the conference, despite having the best defense in the conference. Right. They're, and- they're 2016 Texas Tech, just the exact opposite. And you can talk all you want about one-possession games, but if you're in a bunch of one-possession games, it's mean, it means you're not beating anybody. It means you're never pulling away, and it means that 
your coaching decisions are keeping games close. So yeah. if the objective is to cover the spread and not get blown out, then their style of play is pretty solid. But at the end of the day, and, and, and Chris Williams, our guest, he alluded to that, and he was sincerely like, you know, hey, I remember the days where we were losing to Baylor 70-10, to 10, and at least this isn't that. And, and there is something to be said for that. But also at the end of the day, they're 1-7 in, in Big 12 play. Yeah. And so it's better to be close than not close at all, but also if you never get over the hump from close, then is it? Then what's what's really the difference at the at the end of the day? Save some embarrassment, like while the game is going on. Um, I want to talk about the offense soon. Let's get into it. But I want to talk about some general culture stuff. Okay, from Texas Tech. Yes, and the high school coach. But before we do, I also want to give a shout out to the culture of West Texas, our people, our music, our customs. Our food. Saturday, I made the choice to do what any West Texan ought to do. About 10 a.m., I said, you know what? I'm going to head out to Olton for some Rahino barbecue. 10 a.m. just so happens the Rob Rowe College Tailgate show is starting. So I I turn that on the radio. I make the beautiful 45, 50-minute drive out there. I get there a little bit before the doors open. No free ads, but I think the Rahino family owns the boutique right next door. Yeah. Knocked out some Christmas shopping. Nice. Hop over and get some barbecue. Come back to Lubbock. I'm home by like 12.15 or so. Enjoy some fantastic Reno barbecue. We got, this time we got the cheddar jalapeno sausage. We got Always good. sliced turkey, sliced brisket, and some ribs. I had to exercise a little bit of self-control to not get the chili and the burger. So I was like, you know, you want leftovers, but do you want like 12 meals to take home? Maybe. It's a tough conversation to have yeah. with yourself. Now, I did exercise some self-control, but if you don't want to, then there's plenty of menu items and you can sample it all. Did, so, you, chat, did you chat with Aaron? I did not. I don't. I looked for him in the guy. truck, but uh, didn't see him. But great team over there, great as always. So we had Rahino for lunch on Saturday, and then we had it for lunch and dinner today, Sunday. It made the uh, the Vikings loss a little bit more palatable because as soon as that was over, I had leftover Rahino waiting for me. When I had it earlier in the week – after they stopped by Cardinal Sports Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've both had it this week. And I had a, I had the half chicken, really good. And then uh, I split the, the peachy pig, which is a whiskey peach barbecue sauce on a pulled pork sandwich. They've got some good lunch combos now. We're going way over on the ad read, just showing some extra love here. Um, they have like a chicken wings and fries combo Yeah, for like 10 bucks, And they have the burger and chips combo for 10 bucks. So good lunch deals too. There's a half chicken and a and a two sides for ten bucks. At Rahino BBQ on socials, you can follow along with new menu items, specials they're running, where the mobile food truck is. Big love to Rahino for their support of the Gauchos. Okay, Rob. Sometimes you know, okay, we do three episodes a week, especially on the non Gauchos After Dark episodes. We tend to ramble a little bit for like an hour and a half. So sometimes you say the same thing multiple times over the weeks, months. One of the moments I knew I was done with the previous administration was the Texas Tech versus TCU game last season. Uh, And I guess that was their second-to-last game at the helm? Yes. Because you just got physically abused. Towards the end of that game, the outcome is in hand. Uh, Henry Columbia gets sacked, 
And after getting sacked, the TCU defender kind of gives him the business. I don't remember what it was. If it was like a knee to the helmet, if he kind of shoved him a little bit. Yeah. And the offensive line stomp. just stands there. They kind of like gesture to the ref like, hey, are you going to do something? And I'm watching. I'm like, are you guys going to do something? That's your quarterback. He's on the ground. The other team is roughing him up after the play. Are you all going to do anything about it? Nothing. And so I, I've mentioned that instance on the podcast before. To me, it showed me that they're soft. They're not tough. They don't have that dog in them. And it, it was pathetic. They don't, they don't, they're not close teammates. And I'm not for retaliating and getting a 15-yard penalty when it's going to screw over your team. But when you're down 20 and it's the fourth quarter, why not? Like, at least show some kind of fight in you. Anyway, I forgot to mention this last week, but the Kansas game, I think it was a quarterback run. Uh, we were going in, and we were in the red zone. Shuck runs it. He gets tackled. He's trying to get up off the ground, and it wasn't, like, super malicious or anything. But a Kansas defender kind of, like, knocks him back on the ground as he's yeah. trying to get up. Yeah. And this time, one or two offensive line go over and, like, almost start a little scuffle. They, they at least cared right. that the other team was giving their quarterback shit, and they acted like they gave a damn. And I like to see that. And then this game, something similar happens. I think it was actually on a Taj Brooks stuffed run. Um, kind of like a late, you know, they're blowing the whistle because forward progress is stopped. And there's like some shoving after that. And I think it was Monroe, it was Western Wright. Again, acted pissed off that somebody was doing that to his teammate. Shoves the Iowa State player well after the whistle. He should have been flagged for it, probably. Uh, the Iowa State guy kind of flops a little bit. But I was like, okay, our offensive line, they care when the other team is giving their teammates, their quarterback, their running back, giving them the business after the whistle, and at least acting like they have some fight in them. Do you know why that is? Because Stephen Hamby's their coach. No. I love to see that. Yes. And that's not an X's and O's thing. It's not an execution thing. Like I said, on that play versus Iowa State, the offensive line probably got their ass kicked because he lost four yards. Right. But they at least had some fight in them and seemed to care what was going on around them. And that was not the case just last year. So, again, I'm not for uh, getting stupid penalties that hurt your team, but I like to see that they've got some fight in them. I like that Hamby has instilled that in them. And between the whistles, X's and O's, execution, yeah. they've gotten better as a position group as the season has gone on, unquestionably. I will say they he has started to instill that in them. I want that to keep growing. Yeah. Uh, but fair. I do think uh, – from the Houston game to the last three weeks, even in the loss to Baylor, uh, you're night and day. You are night and day. Caleb Rogers is night and day. We gave him a lot of crap early. He's played really well in the last two weeks. He got beat once on Saturday night by a guy who's going to cash checks in the NFL yes. for years to come. Yeah, one of the all-time sack leaders in the Big 12 got a sack. The all-time sack leader. Yeah, like – Okay, and who we'll did, take we'll take that one. Who did he pass? Uh, Aaron Hunt. That's right. So and and that uh, so speaking of the offensive line improving, the whole run the damn ball thing. Do you know why I wasn't preaching that earlier in the season? Because you couldn't. Because the offensive line was bad. I, I wanted to say like, well, hey, Donovan is struggling. Why not run the ball? Oh, let me check the yards per carry. Two and a half. Okay, that's yeah. not going to work either. Right. But then in some of those games where you started to get five yards per carry and you weren't running it very much, I was like, okay, we can do this now. We can start to move bodies and. What are you looking at over there, Rob? Is Tony Pollard the best running back in the big in the NFL? He's the best running back on your roster. <laughs> you have to use two running backs. I, I I understand the play more Pollard guys, but 
you have to play both running backs. Like, Why are they showing the first play of the game at the very – oh, they're doing offense the first sacks. and then defense first. Oh, this is going to take a while. Career high for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Yeah, I think the offensive line – and that, that is a good point because I – we have talked about that in the last two weeks that the offensive line looks better. And I said that during the West Virginia game when they were dominating the West Virginia defensive line, I said, what a novel idea. Play bad defenses – look better. But now that you've done it for a stretch and you did it against a great defense in Iowa State, that makes me feel better about the offensive line. That makes me feel better about the returning talent. Uh, Year three or four, whatever Caleb Rogers is going into, uh, you feel better about that. You feel better about Monroe Mills, Weston Wright, if he returns. So all of a sudden... As a weak point, maybe this year and moving forward, you're kind of saying, all right, well, you know, maybe maybe you will be better in year two, even against good defensive lines. Yeah, and, and to some extent, if they're not the strength of your team, you just need them to be serviceable. Like, the problem in the Houston game wasn't that our offensive line wasn't dominating their defensive line. It was that, like, Donovan's running for his life, getting strip sacked. Yeah. It's like, we just need you to be average, and, and you know, we could probably move the ball a little bit better. So I think I think they've improved a ton as a position group. They deserve credit for it. They deserve the criticism earlier in the year. And if we're going to do that, like you're saying, it's fair to also acknowledge when they start to turn it around. And so that that's been really good to see. Um a couple more notes on the offense. There was there has been for several weeks now a lot of hand-wringing about the quarterback run game. Yes. And fans on Twitter are like, why are you running when with the quarterbacks? Just hand the ball off to your running backs. And I do agree with that sentiment. Yeah, we, we also said it, and we said it last week for sure. Um, but I was not saying it this week because in the final minute, just get a first down. I, I don't care how. And, and last week, it was like, why are you running the quarterback? Oh, it's working. All right, well, fine. I mean, yeah. As long as it's working, you can't complain, right? Well, no, you can because people do. <laughs> people do. Um, I think I feel like people have a tendency to just look at the box score and go, oh, the quarterback had 14 carries and your running backs only had 10. Well, let's look at those 14 carries, shall we? Six of them were called pass plays where nothing was there and Chuck tucked it and run, tucked it and ran. On his six scrambles, he got 35 yards. That's basically what 5.9, 5.8 a pop. That's good. Uh, a Twitter follower pointed out that 15 of those 36 were on third and 22, and it didn't even matter. Well, actually, 15 yards of field position, especially in a game like that, matters a great deal. Yeah. You're not going to convert on third and 22 anyway. You might as well help your punter flip the field. Uh, that probably decreased Iowa State's odds of scoring on their next drive by about 15%, because that's a good rule of thumb. Well, and I don't know when it was, but let's just say that that was one of the drives that they got goal line stuffed on. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you end up in the end zone, huh? Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly when it was, but... Okay, and so let's take that one out, and he goes five for 20. Is four yards per carry on a broken play that bad? No. It's better than a sack, which That's, you were taking early in the year. It's a decent handoff. Yes. Like, okay, second and six instead of second and ten. Are we really going to gripe about that? Anyway, um, there were four quote-unquote sacks, three traditional sacks for minus six yards, minus eight yards, minus eight yards. That's da, 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 minus 22. And then your fourth sack was the Wilburn snap that Shuck was not expecting. You lost 16 yards. Shuck just fell on it. So he lost 
Help me out with the math here. 32, 38 yards on those four plays. So when you're looking at the box score, and I'll, oh, well, he finished with 33 yards rushing. That was after minus 38 on those four plays. And then you had a pretty good amount of designed quarterback runs. Most of those with Shuck, a couple with Donovan. Your success rate was really good, even though the numbers aren't eye-popping. Because guess what, Rob? When it's second and goal on the one-yard line, you don't need to run for 15 yards. No, you don't. You need one. Yep. And so Donovan gets one yard, you score a touchdown, that's a successful play. Donovan has... Well, he guess he carried at the end, too. No, no. Yeah, he carried one at the end. Yeah. But at the point of the touchdown, he had two carries and two games for two touchdowns. Yeah. That's pretty good. You had another designed quarterback run. Shuck ran it for one yard. I would say that is not a successful play. We learned what success rate meant the other day. Yep. I wasn't exactly sure how that was measured, but apparently the best way I can explain it is on first and 10, or on first down, if you get 50% of the yards available or needed for another first down, that's a successful run play. So first and 10, if you get it to second and five, that's a successful run play. On second down, you need to get 70% of what's needed for a first down. So you need it to be like third and three after a second down run. And then on third and fourth down, it's a first down or touchdown is a successful run. So that one-yard gain on, I think it was first and 10, was not a successful run. The next one was, Chuck took it for four yards for a first down. His next designed run was seven yards on first and 10. That's a successful run. His next one was for three yards, another designed run. Got you a first down. That's a successful run. And then the last three were effective kneel downs. One was an actual kneel down. The other two, you were just snapping the ball. Why bother with an exchange? You're just trying to run the clock anyway. And against a heavy box, put in two running backs and have two lead blockers. So before the before the three effective kneel downs, you had five designed quarterback runs, and four of them were successful run plays based on the success success rate metric. 80% is a really good clip to run the ball. So I think... Five designed quarterback runs is not some overwhelmingly large number where you're just taking tons of carries away from your running backs. In fact, to me, Rob, it looks like we picked the exact spots to do it and executed really well. Yes, and you go back to the Kansas game, and during the Kansas game, I was frustrated. But after the Kansas game, it all made sense then, too. And there's some sentiment on Twitter, well... Just because they won doesn't mean you can't criticize. Well, it kind of does. Because if that was the game plan, to have long sustained drives and to try to get the offense going, how many points do you need to score to win? Enough. More than the other team. Yeah. Is that what they did? Yeah. And did you have two great drives from the offense one in the second quarter, one in the fourth quarter of sustained success, which I said you needed to do to score against Iowa State. Yes, and they were aided by designed quarterback runs. Not yes, a ton, five. Five of them. Five plays out of 56 before the three effective kneel downs. Are we okay if 9% of our plays are designed quarterback runs when you have clearly a good runner in Tyler Shuck or Donovan Smith on the goal line packages? I think so. Now, the speed options versus TCU... I kind of have an issue with that. It wasn't effective. I don't really know why we're doing that. The handoffs were working. Have you done it since? No. And, and hey, here's another thing, Rob. This is going to blow some people's minds. Two things can be true at once. The quarterback runs were timely and effective, 
And also, we should hand the ball off more to our running backs. Yes. Because there's a whole host of other plays that aren't successful designed quarterback runs where you're not handing the ball off to Rod and Taj and Valdez, where you could be doing more of that still. How many times you throw it to the sideline and either get just as much as you would have on a run or almost a pick six or an incomplete pass or whatever else? I get irked on Twitter when people who have followed us for forever act like they weren't following us a week ago. When all we were tweeting and all we said on last week's episode was run the damn ball before the Kansas game. Yeah. Like, why do you guys not want to hand the ball? Like, do you know who we are? Yeah. Anyway, I, but I didn't have a problem with the five designed quarterback runs. They were done really well. Your success rate was 80%. I'll take that every day of the week. And shout out to, to Tyler Shuck. He's a good runner. He's the, he's the best running quarterback on your roster. Yeah, Donovan is good for putting the shoulder down and getting short yardage, but making a guy miss, getting more yards in between the 20s, give me shuck. And I've been saying that for a long time, by the way. We can go to the tape on that if anybody needs us to. Um, I'll also say this. On the whole run the damn ball, why aren't we calling better plays? Toward the end of the third quarter, you tried to run the damn ball. You gave it to Taj. You gashed them for about 16 yards, and there was a bullcrap holding call. So it's like, okay, we, we dialed it up, we executed, and the refs screwed us. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It was a ticky-tack hold. It was a ticky-tack hold. I think, I think that you could have used better technique and not gotten the hold, but yes. That play, you could call that holding play on every run up the middle at every level, and they don't until they want to. Another time, I live-tweeted during the game and then saw differently on the rewatch. You get five yards on a handoff on first and ten, so you're about to have second and five, and you don't run the ball, and then it's third and five, and you don't run the ball. Both times were against a five-man box, and I live-tweeted. I said, help me understand, second and five and third and five versus a five-man box, and you don't run the ball. Now, I managed to tweet that without calling anybody an idiot or asking if the coaches even wanted to win the game. Right. It was just analysis of the play call. It's pretty crazy. But when I went back and rewatched it, Shuck, without looking to the sideline, audibles. audibles. Yeah. So that's not the offensive coordinator. Now, it is the offensive coordinator allowing the quarterback to check at the line, and, and maybe right. there's a debate to be had about how long that leash is. And we don't know what the original play call was. No, it could have been. He could have checked from a pass to a pass. Or it he could have checked out of a handoff to a pass. Right. And so that's not on Kitley for not sending in a handoff play call. He did, and then the quarterback checked out of it. So out of a light box. Yeah. And I, I said that at the time that there was an audible. Um, so I don't know how many other times that happened throughout the game, but you might have been trying to hand the ball off more and your quarterback was saying, no, I'm going to call my own number. I'm going to throw it out of this look instead. Yeah. And, and, and we've had this discourse all year long on the Kitley conversation. Kitley allows his quarterbacks free reign to change any play. And that doesn't that doesn't make up for the fact that Kitley is or isn't getting the job done or whatever else you want to say. It's just another aspect of the the conversation that just gets left out in the middle of the game when you're just hammering Kitley. One more thing. Texas Tech ran 59 offensive plays. What do they normally run? Like 100. I mean, I, I really do want to look for their season average, but you've run 85, you've run 92. Yeah. You, you literally had 100. Yeah. You had 100 versus Texas, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Now, three of those 59 
were a kneel down and the two quarterback runs to just keep the clock running at the end. So let's say 56 real offensive plays. So it is fair to wonder, should the running backs get more traditional touches? They both had five yards to carry. But also, there's a difference in a game where you run 56 plays versus when you run 99. Everybody's share of everything is going to be lower. You're going to have fewer pass attempts, fewer handoffs. The receiver's going to have fewer receptions. You're going to have fewer penalties, fewer turnovers. Now, if you want to look at it on a per-play basis, right? or what share of our total play calls were handoffs or designed run plays, then you could do a little bit more honest of an analysis. But to just go to the box score again and say, why did we only hand the ball off 12 times? Well, it's 12 out of you know, 56 instead right. of 12 out of 100. It's, it's, it's different. That's all I'm saying. Can I say just one thing as the run the damn ball guy? I mean, you even have the hat. I even have the hat. I've been saying this for years at Texas Tech. This is not a Kitley thing for me. All right? I was saying this with Cliff. I was saying this with Neil Brown. All right? I'm a long-timer here. I was saying it with Mike Leach. But you're the numbers guy, right? Yeah, sure. What's the bigger number, 5 or 6.7? 6.7. And that is why Kitley is a pass-first guy. So I'm a Holmes and Andy Reid or pass first guys. The yards per attempt, 6.7 yards per attempt. Now, you also have, you know, seven, uh, six plays that get zero yards because of incompletions. But there is, there is a 6.7 versus a five, and it is what it is. Do you have time of possession pulled up? Can. Because if you possess the ball for 56 plays and... 23 minutes. 24 minutes. minutes. 24 minutes. People act like we had the ball all night, we were moving it up and down, and could have just chosen a bunch of play calls. But when you're stalling out and punting as quickly as we did. A bunch of three and outs. And maybe those three and outs were because you weren't running the ball enough. Like, again, I think there is a valid discussion to be had there. Again, we're the run the damn ball guys. Like, we're we're huge advocates of that. But also, is is it fair to maybe not judge this game in a vacuum, given the weather conditions given everything else that's going on, that like it's just not a normal game. When you run, I don't know, let's call it 60%, 65% of your normal uh, volume of plays and the wind chill is literally zero degrees, that maybe it's just like that alters the play calling a little bit and yeah. that alters your success rate a little bit. Do you think that Iowa State wishes they would have run the ball more? I mean, they had 36 minutes of time of possession. They had 43 rushing attempts, but only three per carry. Now, you had 2.8 per carry total. They were doing pretty good throwing the ball. But, yeah. But they, they had, didn't win the game, did they? They had 8.2 yards per pass. Here's another thing. Not every play is as meaningful or as valuable as another. So Iowa State did great between the 20s, and when it counted, when points were on the line, they didn't do squat. Yeah. Texas Tech, the exact opposite. Stalled out for huge chunks of the night, and when it counted – they went 76 yards or whatever and scored a touchdown and won the game. Yeah. So I don't want to hear any bitching. I have one more sub-conversation sub, uh, to do. Okay. Uh, obviously, we've been uh, referencing something, but I-, I do want to say this. I am billed as the guy who just sticks up forever's here all the time. I don't really know why I got this because I complain a lot. Um, but I will say this. I'm never going to call for someone's firing unless I truly believe and would have the conversation face-to-face with the guy that he should be fired. 
it took me a long time to get there with Matt Wells because of the Matt Campbell effect, right? You were having one possession games. There were small differences you could make. If you hit on a few more transfers, if you just recruited better, like there were a lot of small changes you could have made with Mac Wells' staff or just a lot of just, oh, if that one play hadn't happened, if this one play hadn't happened. But finally, you just get fed up and, and turn the page. But can I just say, sue me if I want to wait for Zach Kitley to be successful in year one and I don't want to be negative about Zach Kitley in year one when he's changing from only pass to run, can I give the guy a full season to learn something because this is the first time he's ever trying to do it? How many? Yes. I'm not going to be negative on Zach Kitley. I'm not going to hammer him on Twitter. I'm not going to berate him on the podcast because I believe in him and I've seen flashes of good things. A couple things on that. How many Power 5 offensive coordinators in year one on the job or year 10 on the job have had to start three different quarterbacks this season? In to, year one with a with a coaching staff that he didn't choose. One of whom, one of those three quarterbacks, made his first career start anywhere for anyone. In Stillwater. Pretty rare. How many Power 5 offensive coordinators were dealing with through the first month of the season what was probably the worst offensive line in the Power 5? And they, and By they started, actual metrics, like yes. uh, pressure rate, sacks allowed... Sack rate. And they started three or four different offensive lines in that stretch because of tackles getting hurt or whatever else. So all that to say... And there was a revolving door at wide receiver with injuries. Yeah. All that to say, again, we can't just evaluate what we're seeing in a vacuum. There's context. There's nuance. Now, if Zach Kitley in year three or four takes the podium at Big 12 Media Days or somewhere and says, we've got some real road graders on the offensive line. These are the guys we handpicked. We're going to run the ball better than anybody in the conference. And then he throws it on 78% of the downs. Then you go, okay, yeah, what the hell are we doing? But like, let's allow this staff that's in year one to build up to something. And also, I'm going to save some of these takes for the end of the season recap whenever that may come. Right. They've already overachieved in year one and punched up in year one. Yep. They've won two games outright as underdogs. They've only lost one as a favorite. So, um, the other point on Kitley. You've only lost once at home. And on just quote-unquote analysis in general. Having an emotional reaction in the moment isn't analysis. That's just you whining on Twitter. Yes. When I was a child, my mom would have me like scribble on a notepad when I was upset. Everything I was mad about. And then just sit on it for like 30 minutes or an hour. And then see if those were things I still wanted to go, like shout at my sister or you know, whatever. And usually you cool down and you have a little bit more measured of a take. And so it's okay to do that. You can set the phone down in the heat of the moment and wait until after the game and say, hey, some stuff that could have been better. Maybe we should have called it different here and there, but we won the game. We executed when it counted. Let's, uh, let's celebrate the first road win as a program this year, a game you were not favored in. Let's celebrate the fact that we just punched a ticket to bowl eligibility for consecutive years for the first time in a decade. Instead of just being negative about everything because what's unfolding in front of your eyes isn't what you want it to be. Yeah. Also, that Big Ten football game we watched this weekend for 70 years was a great football game. How many times have Tech fans... <laughs> I've been the, begging for this game. 
How many times have Tech fans said, I don't care if you win three to zero, just get and then you win a game fourteen to ten and well it wasn't pretty enough. Yeah. I do not dude, I do not care. If you win two to zero with a safety and you score zero points, if we go fifteen and zero all the way to the natty winning every single game two to zero or three to two, sign me the hell up. Yes. By the way, I looked at our preseason predictions. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll go over this uh, maybe Wednesday. Which predictions? I'm a, a for the for the whole season for the Big Twelve. We picked every game in the Big Twelve. Oh yeah, we didn't ever publicize this, but we picked every game in the Big Twelve. Uh, you picked eight and four for Texas Tech, uh, so you're game off potentially. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I picked seven and five, and had a loss at Ames and a win at Baylor, a win against Baylor. So those two flipped. I have gotten every single game right. Um, I have Oklahoma as a win to get to seven and five. So when I look at this season, how am I, right, as a as an analyst? Because that's what I am. That's my job. I'm not just some fan. Okay, not 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 a negative to those fans, but as an analyst, I'm not going to sit here and freak out. Because seven and five is happening. You went okay. This again. is what I think. This is what I thought was going to happen. Your Vegas total was five and a half. Yes, you've hit the over. This is uh, another point I've made on the podcast before. Part of why I love following betting lines and odds are to give you something to help calibrate expectations. So I don't care if a fan thinks you should go nine and three. Right. When Vegas says five and a half, and you win potentially seven games. I'm chalking that up as a win because the people in Vegas are a lot smarter than you. And if you think that that is wrong, then you can go make a ton of money telling them that they're wrong. And so go put your money where your mouth is. I'm not smarter than the people in Vegas. They they said five and a half, and you cash the over with house money um, at home against a beatable Oklahoma team remaining. And so people do that on individual games. How in the world did we go on the road to NC State and lose by 13? Well, you were 10 and a half point underdogs. They were off by two and a half points. What, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. People talking about why we lost to TCU, a college football playoff team on the road. Well, because they're a better team than you. Yeah. And you pushed exactly what the line was. Can we also finish the Sonny Dykes crap? Te- Texas Tech would not be in a position to win the college football playoff or be invited to the college football playoff invitational if Sonny Dykes and that staff came to Lubbock. No, TCU has the third most talented team in the Big 12 behind Texas and OU, Just according to all the, all the recruiting rankings. So, And you're, you're ninth, I think, based on like the blue chip ratio, all that good stuff. Right. And people, I know somebody's going to listen to that. Stars don't matter. Okay, they do. There's like a very strong correlation between the programs that recruit a lot of stars and stars winding up in the NFL. I don't want to argue that point with anybody. but Well, and – you have to build up to that with McGuire. And he's doing a great job in that yes. category. By the way, Braden Foco plays quite a bit for the Chargers, and I did not know that. Yeah. I knew he played. I knew he was on the team, but I didn't. he plays a lot. The yeah. Chiefs are running the damn ball, by the way. Yeah. It's... All the way down the field. Oh, they got stuffed there because I said something. Oh, great. That's Te- a field goal. Texas Tech back home in Lubbock next weekend after Thanksgiving. If you're traveling to Lubbock for Thanksgiving or for the big game, you know who to stay with while you're here. Stay Trig. They're a local short-term home rental option. Now, maybe you're coming in last minute. You don't want to be stuck with the outrageous hotel prices, especially on a holiday weekend. 
Go to staytrig.com and get 10% off your first booking with the promo code GAUCHOS. Staytrig is awesome because it's a high-end. Everything is um, decorated, furnished up to the same standard, so you don't have to roll the dice and filter through a bunch of of reviews on Airbnb. Just go with Staytrig, staytrig.com. If you're here for the holidays, for a tech game, on business, graduation, that's who you need to go with. Promo code GAUCHOS to get 10% off at staytrig.com. Are you ready for a mailbag? Yes. A diversified lender's mailbag? Yes. Uh, let me scroll up here. It's a busy one. How can people join Discord? Oh, if they go to patreon.com and then hit slash gambling gauchos, join there. We'll message you and invite you to the Discord. I feel like we actually have a couple of messages that we need to send out. We do. Had a couple people come in Saturday night after yeah. the game. So we'll catch up on that today. You could have been live streaming this episode. That's true. You, hey. you could have submitted questions on the Discord mailbag. Could have. You could have helped us contribute to the Matador Club. And you could be part of the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server in existence. So join us for $5 a month, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. All right, let's get into it. If football can start competing for winning Big 12 titles, does Texas Tech make the argument that they're the best athletic program in the country? No. No. The best athletic program in the country has national titles to its name, so you would have to elevate at least one of the major sports to that level before you could make such an argument. Now, I would I would argue to in multiple sports. Like, you'd have to win basketball and baseball, then you could start having the conversation. Yeah, I mean, like, um, Florida... Had a really good Florida. run. Uh, they went back-to-back under Billy Donovan, 06, 07, I think. Yep. One and a baseball one. Around that exact same time, Urban Meyer was winning natties with them. Yes. I think 06 and 08, they won the football natty. Yep. Um Anyway. And then their baseball team goes to Omaha frequently as well. So a program like that over the last 15 years might have a claim yeah. to it. Um, Ohio State doesn't really have the high-end basketball success. Neither does Alabama. Trying to think. Oklahoma of. has been to uh, the F- final four, final four in twenty fifteen and, and playoffs. They've been to the college football playoff and they uh, were in the Omaha final. Hard to last say. Year. Hard to say. You know, they're the best one in the Big Twelve right now. Now, if you don't, if you don't weight the sports, if you if you think that rowing is just as important as football, and I would say it's not because it's just not as visible, right. Than like a Stanford or somebody like that with really good Olympic sports success. Or Texas, I mean, just diving <laughs> titles on going. diving titles. Do you know how many diving schools there are in the Big 12 that they compete with? Is it like six? There's three. <laughs> Texas, TCU, and West Virginia. It's like winning your pod yeah. in the in the new Big 12. Uh, to answer your question, I think pretty immediately in 2025, you can be a top program in the Big 12. One more thought on that. Yeah. It, I don't think any Texas fans listen to this. I don't know why they would. But Texas fans are like, well, we won the Directors Cup, so we are the number one athletic. Pro-. Nobody cares. They don't know what the Directors Cup is. No, like the only reason they know what it is is because they won it, and it they couldn't. Kyle Umling tweets about. They it. couldn't tell you what it is unless they Googled it and like told you, you know, what went into the scoring system there. So I mean, I don't give a crap about the Directors Cup. I'm talking like actual national perception now. Like Louisville, when they had Bridgewater, they were winning BCS bowls, and Rick Pitino won a Natty. So, like, a program like Louisville, and they have a pretty good baseball program, I think. Yeah. Natty doesn't count, but... Tennessee, 
is I think on the verge. Like, had they made the playoff, which they were kind of close this year, they had the best baseball team but didn't make Omaha. Good basketball program, three seed. They got bounced early, though. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do that, I think, to be in that conversation, not just win the Big 12. Certainly, and you have to stay successful in the other two and punch up in football. Here's a good way to answer that question. Is Baylor the top athletic program in the country? No. But they won a basketball title two years ago, and they won the right. Big 12 title last year. Nobody views them that way. Right. So that's my point. Uh, I do. I would say that they have really taken a step up nationally in perspective the last couple of years. I'd I think agree a with lot that. of that does yeah, for sure. have to do with that, but uh, no, I wouldn't say. Um, Joey is bowl-bound in his first season as head coach. Do you consider this season a success or your expectations higher? We actually just answered that um, before. That was my threshold. If you yeah. can make a bowl game, that's a good year one. And I pulled That's the tape, a floor. Pull the tape from August. Yeah. I, I said, like, look, if you don't make a bowl game, you're not panicking, but that's a little bit of a disappointment. You're going to a bowl game. Maybe you'll go seven and five with a winning record in conference play. Maybe you'll win the bowl game. Yeah. And then you can start talking about, you know, really exceeding expectations. But I think they've done the bare minimum and we can call year one a success at this point. Joey McGuire should never, since he's gotten it this year, should never miss a bowl game. I think that's probably true. I understand injuries and whatever else, yeah. but you should never miss a bowl game. That's I, just the floor. Yeah. Or it's a failure. Yeah, I don't think any season under McGuire going forward, if you miss a bowl game, you yeah. can say this wasn't a failure. But I thought they would go seven and five and they have that opportunity if you beat Oklahoma. So and I and I wouldn't say a one game difference is a failure. Um because you always say your season record and then give it a one plus or minus variance. This is also top to bottom, one of the best Big Twelves we've seen in a long time. There's no pushover. Yeah, you don't get a free win with Kansas and Iowa no. State like you did for years. No. And, and so then Baylor before that. So getting bowl eligible without a cheap non-con win, you know, you had to go on the road to NC State and you lost that game. Because there were some years where you'd go 3-0 and against nobody. Yeah. Like, that's what Wells was going to do. He was yes. going to beat Florida International, SFA, and Houston, and then go 3-6 and in Big 12 play, maybe, with a pushover Kansas. Be like, oh, well, we made a bowl game, so we're making progress. But that's different than, like, beating Texas – and potentially going four and five or five and four in a in a pretty good or really good top to bottom Big Twelve. Um, here here's uh, some guy named Grammar Gaucho. He says, "Keep them coming. We'll record after the Vikings bury the Cowboys." Did that old takes exposed? <laughs> uh, when football recruits in the coming class, let me rephrase: Which football recruits in the coming class do you think will contribute immediately? Uh, of the ones on campus that are not playing this year, uh, Jalen Peoples and Landon Hullaby. Um, I'm not safety and corner. I, I think they mean – I know. I know what they mean. I just – it was saying this and then getting to that. Okay. Uh, of the guys not playing this year, as redshirt freshman next year, that will I that I think will play a lot, uh, those two positions I think will be open and competitive battles. Um, but of the guys not on campus yet – uh, obviously the the Sanford kid, the four-star safety, might have an opportunity back there if if a lot of these safeties leave now. Uh, Rabbit has said he's coming back. Uh, we'll see if he actually does. Um, if there's like a, a linebacker or whatever else, uh, Isaiah Crawford maybe coming off the injury. Does he uh, have some juice as a true freshman in some spots? You don't ever want a true freshman, 
unless it's like a skill position wide receiver in the mix a lot. Yeah, so they mentioned this on the broadcast last night, that Joseph Adetarei is the only freshman on the Texas Tech squad who has played more than four games and therefore burned his red shirt. Now, I assume that they'll be careful with guys that have played like two or three at this point, that if they don't want them to burn that red shirt, it's, right. it's going to stay that way. So, so let's assume that none of the freshmen that haven't burned the red shirt are thrust into action in versus OU or in the bowl well, game. I also think that's why Valdez has been getting more carries lately instead of Donald. Uh, I would assume Donald doesn't play again. Yeah. Because I think he's played in three. And I think that's good. If you're building for the future to not have to burn those red shirts and have a bunch of guys with all their eligibility remaining right. but have spent, especially if they got here early, two springs, two off-seasons in the weight room, and a full season under their belt, that's a good thing, which leads me to my answer. Hopefully none of them. Right. It's really hard to get a true freshman offensive lineman who makes an impact. I'm really high on Jake Strong as a quarterback, but if we see him next year, I feel like something has gone wrong. Right. And so I want I want him to be able to develop for a year or two before being thrust into that. So, yeah, I think one of the athletes or the receivers. I was about to say, you could read off a couple of the receivers and probably hit one that has um, uh, uh, Valson. Yeah, I think it, Kelby Valson. Valson might be the kick returner day one. Damarian Crest, I think, is really talented. But, I mean, if they can do that two years in a row where, like, only one or two of these guys even has to play next year, and right. you, you have 23 dudes that redshirt, I think that's awesome. So hopefully none of them is my answer. Yeah, and I think that's the right answer. And, and with the previous staff, you always just kept saying, um, uh, oh, man, the Chiefs, man. You, you just kept saying over and over and over, you want to get older, you want to get older, you want to get older. Well, one way to get older is to just get a bunch of freshmen three years in a row and still be here in three years. Yeah. I, and then you have a bunch of juniors. Like, wow, how crazy is that? Instead of just getting a bit. Now, Josiah Pierre was one of those great young transfers you got that is going to turn into a guy and has turned into a guy. Yeah. So a lot of that has been beneficial, but you have to do both. And I think that's what Joey's going to do because I, I still think that Am I touching you too much? No, you're good. I still think that uh, you're going to get four, five, six, seven, eight transfers. Um, I think so too. In this class, yeah. Uh, I feel like when you include golf, oh, that's back to the earlier conversation. Golf as well, you're definitely going to close the gap in the Big Twelve because Texas State golf is incredible right now. True. You have an opportunity to announce championship in golf this year. Yeah. Men's golf, and Sands was uh, extended this week. And it seemed like Cody Campbell tweeted that TCU tried to get him and Tech extended him anyways. Yeah. So now you have the basketball coach leaving, right, for Texas. But you have a baseball coach and then a new basketball coach extended and people sniffing around and, and not being able to take him away. And Texas and A&M have tried to get Tim Tadlock. Yeah. Um, what was the best uniform combo this season? For Texas Tech? Yeah. I'll go with, uh, it's a tie. I'm usually not a red pants guy, but yep. the, the Billy Joe Tolliver road throwbacks versus TCU, were, that was a sharp look. Yes. And then the other, I guess Oklahoma State road throwbacks, black, white, black, that was solid. I like the home all black. I would just prefer that with either white or gray pants. The throwback 
black, white, black was the best uniform. I liked the black, red, black. Did we do that throwback style? No, it was uh, normal. I liked the black, red, red. Against Texas? That was like the Cody Hodges yeah. year. They wore black, red, red a lot. I just don't like our base right. design. I obviously yeah. love our colors, and that's why I'm mad that like they've kind of found a way to screw up what should be something yeah. easy. But like the the, the chevron shoulder stripes, where well, you can't see the double T, the really wide stripe on the pants, it just looks yeah, bad. It does. I think their font is good, but it's but too, it's, it's too small across the chest. They could just clean up the the design; it would look really good. I, I was having that argument. Was, no, I wasn't having an argument. Some guy tweeted at me. That if TCU's all whites are number one, then how could Texas Tech's white, white, black be number seven? And I was like, well, they're all whites look better than yours. Yeah. It's not just about wearing the right colors. The design has to be good. And our design yeah. isn't good. Yeah, we've said that a bunch of times this year. It's just a fact at this point. Uh, is Tyler King going to be good next year? We thought he was going to play this year. Yeah. I don't know if he got hurt or what, but I think he will be good. And he'll be what the doctor ordered in terms of having a speedster. He's not going to be an all-around Guy, I think he's too small for that, but he's perfect slot, uh, speedster type guy. So I think he will factor in next year because you need you need some guys like that. Uh, a couple of more left. What bowl is Texas Tech going to if you beat OU? I think if you beat OU, you will go to Guaranteed Rate, Cheese It, or Texas. I think if everything happens, the most likely possible route happens. In the next week, you go to the Texas Bowl. I think you also have a good shot to go to the Texas Bowl if you lose. If you lose, I think yeah. it's either Texas, Frisco, or Armed Forces. Because I think at this point, the Cheez-It Bowl has passed in the pecking order, uh, the Texas Bowl. I think the Texas Bowl is actually the third bowl. It's just really— Sugar, Alamo, Cheez-It, Texas. Really, so yeah. it's the fourth. I think it definitely won't be Alamo. You won't be high enough in the pecking order, and they'll invite Texas no matter what. And then I don't think you'll be as low as Frisco and Armed Forces unless you lose. Yeah. I think you'll still get invited over Kansas no matter what. So you should be yeah. seventh, absolute if, worst case scenario. If Spencer Sanders isn't playing in a bowl and doesn't play this weekend, you could see a bowl committee say, "Well, we don't want we don't want that Oklahoma State team because they're not they're not good." Well, and they know that Tech fans like yes. th- these bowl committees. They have the data. They know that Tech fans will travel better than Baylor. So you'll be tied with Baylor and Oklahoma State, and they'll say, "Yeah, Texas is gonna or Texas Tech is gonna fill up the Texas Bowl." There, there is a possible way that Kansas State loses this weekend. Baylor wins, you win, and it's Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, TCU in the playoff, and then everyone else is seven and five. And at that point, you're just it's flipping coins. You could be in the Alamo Bowl. No, yeah, you could. No, they're going to invite Texas. They have no reason to invite you over Texas. Well, that's what you—that's th- your opinion. Yes, and it's a well-informed okay. opinion that will prove correct. Well, my fact is that everyone will be seven and five, and it's also a fact that that doesn't matter, and they can invite whoever they want, no matter what the standings are. And they're going to okay. invite Texas. Okay, but that's still your opinion. Yes, and it's the correct and one. And you're presenting it as a f- it, okay. It's a prediction, and we'll see who's right. How about that? But I'm not making a prediction. Okay, I'm just saying everyone is going to be seven and five, okay. if if that happens. You, that's not you're you're Rob Fiskating. You said everybody will be seven and five, so therefore it's a crapshoot who's going to get the Alamo Bowl invite. I'm saying at seven and five, Texas will get the Alamo Bowl invite over you, and Baylor and whoever else is seven and five. Okay. 
You sound like a pink raider. Uh, no, I sound like somebody who knows what the Alamo Bowl is going to value when sending out the invitation, and they're going to pick Texas. Just like they would pick OU if OU was high enough in the pecking order. All right, well, not everybody's not going to be 75, so it doesn't even matter why we spend time on it. But it doesn't matter if they are or aren't. They can still invite up and down. the. It's not a direct correlation to the standings. I understand that. But so, everyone would be you're, – you're acting like I don't get what well, you're saying. Not, I get what you're saying. I just think where, it's dumb that you're I'm not you're understanding where it. the breakdown is. There's no breakdown. Do we agree that the Alamo Bowl is going to invite the team that is probably going to bring the most fans and most eyeballs on TV? I just said that everyone yes could be 7-5 no. and five and it could be an option that they might invite Texas Tech. That's all I said. Will the Alamo Bowl invite the team? Yes, they'll probably invite Texas. I don't why, understand. Why are you getting so defensive? Because you're – Going on and on about it, and I don't understand why. I'm just trying to ask one clarifying question to see like, where we're talking past each other, and you won't We're not it. talking past each other. It seems like we are. You're just saying Texas over and over, and I just was saying that everyone could be 7-5, and, and it I'm might asking for any reason way. why the Alamo Bowl would not invite Texas. Because the Texas Tech has pictures of the lady doing the committee. I don't know. Do I think it's 100% certain that Texas goes to the Alamo Bowl? No. I don't either. I would say like 90. <laughs> so there is a chance in a coin flip that they might pick You're Texas Tech. you telling me there's a chance. Are you obfuscating? No. See, when I said that there was a I'm coin flip. I'm making my prediction. I'm... You, you assumed that I'm at 50%, but that's not how a coin flip works. A coin flip is not 50%. Coin flips aren't 50-50, folks. Are they not? Oh, they're pretty... It's as close as you can get. Coin flips are not... Check but, the math. But heads is slightly heavier, so it lands tails slightly more often. But, like, we're talking, like, 505 out of 1,000. Are they 50-50? It's, yeah. Is a coin flip 50-50? No. Yeah. Basically, no. it is. Is it yes or no? Now who's, now who's discussing facts? No, basically, it now is. Now who's discussing facts? I is am. it yes or no? I told no? you. Yes or no? Yeah. Not basically? Yeah. All right. Yeah, basically. So, so is there a chance that Texas doesn't go to the Allen Mobile? I mean, is there a chance that a sumo wrestler comes busting <laughs> yes through your window or no. right now? Yes or no? Is there a chance what? Is there a chance Texas doesn't go to the Alamo Bowl? Yes or no? Not really. <laughs> I mean, there's a chance for anything. Is there a chance Texas Tech scores 100 if points Baylor, versus Oklahoma? If Baylor beats them by 40 this weekend, and Texas Tech beats Oklahoma by 40, and Texas is below Texas Tech in the, in the rankings, and I know it, the season standings don't matter, but it would be Baylor... Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And in that respect, Baylor might go to the Alamo Bowl, is what I was saying earlier. Or Oklahoma State. Or Oklahoma State, yes. But I'm dealing with, like, <laughs> within, like, two or three standard deviations of reality here. But all I wasn't trying to make a prediction. But, yeah, if Baylor wins 300-0 to yes. and Quinn Ewers opts out to go play in the Canadian Football League. That's all I was saying. Then maybe Texas won't get an Alamo Bowl invite. Oh, thank you. Now they're not going to because we've done this and somebody want to pull this clip. We? It takes two to tango. Oh, my God. What? Well, you just were like... I, I wouldn't even try to do okay. it. Okay, I am. See, and this, this. this is the we have these conversations all the time, and I get labeled, okay, as the argumentative one, as the rockfiscator, but you're a troll, and people I'm understand not a this. troll. You could have easily said yes in a seven and five world that's not going to happen because Kansas isn't going to beat uh, Kansas State. That maybe Texas doesn't. You could have said that. Do you want to know why I not? didn't? Because you're. 
Do you want to know what I really think? Sure, tell me what you really think, and I'll tell you what reality is. Because you're stubborn. No, because it's not an equal probability. And so there's no sense in... So it's not a coin flip. What's not a coin flip? <laughs> you're saying, well, they you could... You got triggered earlier because I said coin flip. They could lateral the ball 26 times on the last play of the game and score, so therefore... Anything can happen. Maybe it's the exact but, same outcome as that not happening. But I went the conversation as this isn't going to happen, but here's a okay. here's a chaos scenario. And then you took it as me saying that's definitely going to happen. That's just that not is. how the conversation I didn't say that. You might have heard that. I'm saying even if that happens. <laughs> no, don't. See. Texas would still get the Alamo Bowl. Now, who's who's gaslighting? Who's gaslighting? No, the Rob, the Rob I'm saying whether you get your seven and five scenario or not, Texas is probably getting that. the Alamo Bowl. You might have heard that is a classic line that a gaslighter uses. No, that's what that's what you might have heard. That might be how you think I interpreted that, but it's not. That, and if you weren't shouting over me being argumentative, okay. All right. Then maybe you would have um but okay, if you'll allow me. Uh-huh. For our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar as I am with how the bowl process works, they do not just pick you in the order that you finish. And before Rob gets defensive, I'm not claiming that he said that. But some people look at it and they go, oh, well, you're fourth place in the Big 12, so you get the fourth bowl slot. That's not true. The bowl committees can invite whoever they want. So if they think the fifth place team will draw bigger attendance or maybe has a better team at the end of the year than the fourth place team, they can invite them. They also try to avoid sending you to the same bowl that you were at last year, which is why I don't think you'll go Liberty Bowl. Which doesn't always happen because some teams right. go it, back. And It has happened. If you request. But they try to avoid it. Yeah. If you request to go back, like because they yeah. also listen to the teams and what they want. I would say it's also more common. Especially the SEC. On the higher end, like Alamo Bowl is still a pretty prestigious. So like teams want to go back there a second year instead of falling down right. a slot. So I don't think you'll go Liberty. I don't think you'll go Alamo, even if like a great scenario unfolds for you. Which is why I, th- I think Texas Bowl win or lose is in play, and I think if you win, guaranteed rate and cheese it are in play. If win or lose, Texas and guaranteed rate are are in the mix. Yeah, because guaranteed rate's the least the least prestigious Big Twelve tie-in. If yeah. you lose, you could also fall or choose to go first responders or um, armed forces, which are two at large. It's Frisco at large. I think there's like a Fris- a Frisco College Classic, but it would be a Group of Five team. Those are yeah. the two at larges that play Power Five teams. Either way, I think if you win on Saturday, you increase the odds that you're in one of the quote unquote good bowls with like a, a Power Five tie-in that is you know a pretty good trip for the fan base if they want to make it because like they'll also be considered. I know West Virginia is out of it this year. But they're not going to send West Virginia to like the Texas Bowl over an in-state school if yeah. all other things are equal. So uh, the chat says opinions are facts. Uh, yes, when Kyle says them, because he just thinks his tone of voice means no. That I'm he's telling right. you, no. If you'll just listen uh, to me, I'm telling you what Matty I think is Rojo, probable. Uh, <laughs> I was the one willing to make a prediction and put it out there, and you were like, "Well, I'm not making a prediction because because that's what you because then you can go, oh, well, I didn't say that. I was saying that." Maybe this, maybe no, that. No, no. And I was saying I'll put my money where my mouth is and say that Texas is probably going to get the Alamo Bowl invite. Yeah, but you were – if you want to read exactly what I think, you can go to kkm.com. And I wrote this exact thing before Kyle got over here. It's already published. And everything that he's claiming I was skating on was written in that piece. So, whatever. Uh, he they joined at a great time. Yes, you did. How do you, people join the stream, Kyle? Patreon.com slash 
Gambling gotchas. Uh, <laughs> this is amazing content. I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, well, a and have to get all worked up about it. Are well, you? Are you good? Getting a bowl if they get to five and seven. No, I don't think they're good enough in the ADP. But if Iowa State wins this weekend, they'll be in a bowl. Are you good? No, I'm not. Why? <laughs> yes, I'm good. <laughs> Me too. Do you need a hug or something? No, I'm. I'm totally fine. Um, I'm not bothered at all. Neither, neither am I. Really. Okay. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, what sort of teams might Texas Tech play? Uh, the bottom half of the SEC, uh, the bottom... That's the Texas Bowl tie-in, the Liberty Bowl Texas tie-in. Texas Bowl, Liberty Bowl. Um, you could play bottom half big Pac-12 if you go to the two Dallas Bowls, the first responder of the armed forces. Alamo would be like high-end pack. You'd get like Utah or Oregon, assuming USC beats one of them. And then the Cheese Bowl is also the pack, uh, the ACC. ACC. The ACC. Um, and that would be middle upper. I think guaranteed rate is Big Ten. The bottom two-thirds of the Big Ten. Because everybody in the West yeah. is like the big, the bottom half of the Big 12. Yeah, Everybody's going to be 7-5. and five. It'd be like a, an Iowa or, yeah. I don't know if Maryland Wisconsin, is bowl eligible. Somebody like that. Minnesota. Purdue. Are they Purdue? Yeah, somebody like that. And so somebody was asking, like, what kind of matchup do we want to see? I'm cool with any Power Five team. Yes, I just want to avoid the group of five. I don't really care if it's Big Ten, SEC, ACC, PAC. Just give me a Power Five team. Um, uh, nightmare. Uh, one caveat, preferably that you haven't played recently or won't play soon. So, like, if you do go Alamo and it's Oregon, well, you have a home and home with them the next two years. So I'd kind of rather get somebody besides Oregon. Right. Or like since you've already played Arizona or NC State in recent memory outside the Big Twelve, like your non-con play, I would want to avoid a school like that. But other than that, just any like Purdue or Maryland, yeah, uh, South Carolina, anybody like that, I think would be cool. Ankle injuries, man. Oof. Um, based on bowl committee, A and M would bring money. Yeah, but A and M has specifically avoided you in recent seasons. They're also not bowl eligible. Um, they're also not bowl. But if they get to five and seven, it's not – the committee can't choose you. It's – Academic progress rate. Yeah, which is an actual APR it's metric. Not, it's not an invite at that point. It's, yeah, it's, it's an objective. It's who is next. Yeah. And Iowa State is top two. Yeah, they're with Rice. So – They're saying them and Rice are the two right. most likely five and seven. But Iowa State has to beat TCU to get to five and seven. Right, that's right. Yeah. So – So Texas in the Alamo Bowl, you want to go? <laughs> Do I want to go watch Texas in the Alamo Bowl? <laughs> yeah. Oh, only if he's playing. Uh, you just seem so excited about it. I only just wanted to know. I'm not excited. I'm just telling you what it is. They're not going to pick Baylor to go over Texas to oh the Alamo Bowl. Although I do think if you finish tied with Texas overall mm-hmm. record and Big Twelve record, and they get the bid over you, you have full reign to bitch and moan about it because yeah, one. You own them head-to-head, which, again, they don't just go in order of the standings. Two, they can't just say, oh, well, Texas would travel. So would Tech. Especially yeah, you have a competitive fan base traveling. So if that happens, if you are both 7-5, and 5-4, five, five and four, and they do get the Alamo Bowl invite over you, yeah. then let's get our pitchforks ready. In fact, I, I think you could have better ticket sales than Texas, even though there's probably a lot of Texas fans that just live in San Antonio. Uh, it would sell out probably, but but they bring more eyeballs on TV. That's just the bottom line. I just want to clarify one thing. If TCU doesn't make the playoff, 
They'll still be pretty firmly in the New Year's Six. Yeah, they would go Sugar Bowl because and K State, well, who had beat them, gets the auto bid, so they would probably go New Year's Six. So you have right. two teams in the New Year's Six, whether TCU makes the playoff or not. Oh, you think probably. So, so you think if if it would be like the Fiesta Bowl for Iowa State or Oklahoma State, they lost the Big Twelve Championship to Baylor. Right. Baylor went Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma State went Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, I've just seen it framed a lot that like if TCU makes a playoff, then Kansas State can go Sugar, and then everybody falls in line below right. them. But if Kansas State or Texas, for that matter, wins the Big Twelve Championship game, right? TCU at twelve and one would still get an, a New Year's Six bid at large. Then the other school would take the Sugar Bowl, and you. So I think you have two teams in the New Year's Six, right. no matter what, is what I'm saying. The Big Twelve champion goes to the Sugar Actually, Bowl. Actually, that's not true. If TCU gives Kansas State their fourth loss, then you might not have, or Texas if, their if, fourth loss. If <clears throat> you might not have two teams. If in Kansas the New State. Six. Well, at that point, TCU would be in the playoff. Right, but, but you're not automatically guaranteed a second spot in the New Year's Six just because somebody makes the playoff. The Sugar Bowl is the Big Ten champion or the second-place team in the Big 12. The Sugar Bowl is an automatic Big 12 representative. But isn't that only – like, doesn't TCU account for that auto bid by making the playoff? No, it's, it's Even not though a, the Sugar Bowl isn't one of the semifinals or something? No, the Sugar Bowl specifically is a Big 12 champion or second-place team in the Big 12. So an eight and four Kansas State would be in the Sugar Bowl. Really? Uh huh. Huh. I didn't realize that. Or an eight and four Oklahoma State, or I thought else. everybody got their auto bids, and if you happen to be a playoff team, then that counted as your auto bid. Nope. Interesting. The because the auto bid isn't to the bowl season; it's to the Sugar Bowl. Well, I understand that. Right. But like because they rotate the which New Year Six bowls are the semifinals, I thought that it like. They would find an at-large for the Sugar Bowl if, if the Sugar Bowl auto bid was in the playoff, but the playoff semifinal was like the orange or the peach or something. I don't think so. I, I guess we'll see. We only have to wait like, well, we have to wait a while for bowl selection, but we'll know the standings and we'll know if. Does the Sugar Bowl rotate in? What do you mean? Is that a that has that been a playoff game? Yeah, the, all six of the peach, orange, cotton, sugar, rose, and fiesta. Well, I believe this season the Sugar Bowl is the Big 12 champion no matter what. They, they don't what rotate who gets the – they rotate who is the semifinal games. Right. So, like, some years the Peach Bowl and the Rose Bowl are the semifinals or, right. you know, whatever. Right. And then the championship game is just the championship game. But, yeah, we'll know the final standings pretty soon here. We'll know who is the Big 12 champion in two weeks. Right. And then I guess we'll just go from there. But, hey, you're in. You've got a spot at the dance no matter what. So, we'll see. Um, if I'm ready to make this prediction, you ready for a prediction from me? Yeah. Since you wouldn't make one about the Alamo bowl earlier, like I would, I think Texas Tech's going to the Texas bowl. I do too. Um, I'm, it's like the emoji, Rob, Kyle, Texas Tech going to the Texas bowl. I will not go to Houston. (laughs) I probably will. Um, I might, uh, but if Texas Tech somehow loses or somehow, yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, they're underdogs. I know. If they somehow lose this weekend uh, and end up in the DFW area. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. We're there. And I will also say, I would probably more likely drive to Phoenix than Houston. I'd be down for that. Yeah. A little, little road trip. 
So to the comment, yes. I'm not going to say what the comment says. If you want to see the comment, patreon.com slash discord. It's five bucks. Come on. It's a good time. That's not even the right website. Patreon.com slash gambling gouches. Internet.com. Internet.com. www slash. All right, Kyle. Oh, are the Chiefs blowing it? Um, well, not blowing it. Turn the ball they just turned the ball over. Was that a fumble or a pick? Was that Pacheco fumbling again? I think it was McKinnon. Oh. Ooh, that was a great play. Poke. Pass the 50. Want everybody to know that Rob and I are tight, even though. You know, brothers fight, man. There wasn't a miscommunication. There was a miscommunication. And sometimes you talk down to me. Are y'all hearing this? I said, like, we're talking past each other. There's a discount. You're like, no, there's not. There now, shouldn't have been. Here we are. <laughs> there shouldn't have been. Do y'all see what I deal with? No, but you were but you were blaming me for the miscommunication. I wasn't blaming you. You were. I just said, there is a disconnect. Or like, we're talking past each other. You said, no, we're not. I said, okay, I guess. You were framing it as, you're not understanding me. And I was understanding you. You just didn't need to keep saying it. Okay. I'm going to ask you an open-ended question. Uh -huh. And I want you to answer it instead of saying, well, you're saying it. Okay. What is the percent chance before any games are played this weekend that Texas gets the Alamo Bowl invite? Uh, like 90. Then we agree 100%. Yeah, we agreed the whole time, which is why I didn't understand why you were tripling down on it. <laughs> Rob never understands why anybody is arguing with him. And because it's what I was saying it's, wasn't arguable. It's never that you're not laying out the case. I just presented a scenario, and then you started arguing. I wasn't arguing. I was just making an assertion and saying, that's, that's my projection, that's my belief. But you could have just said, and you're like, why are we getting back into this? Well, no, but it's technically possible. I was like, yeah, it's technically possible, but that's not what's going to happen. We, we should argue for a fifth time about Texas and the Alamo Bowl before you we wrap up. bringing it up. Do you have any final thoughts on the Alamo Bowl? <laughs> if everyone's 7-5, and five, I think Texas Tech has a 20% chance to get the Alamo Bowl. Shout out to our friends at Diversified Lenders. If Texas isn't in the Alamo Bowl, I think Texas Tech gets it. How about that? Okay, if you want to play that game, it's either Texas is the most likely. I'll do it this way. Eight, I think the cheese it Bowl will be Oklahoma State. 80% chance it's Texas, 10% chance each for Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, depending on how they finish. It'll be one of the large public schools with a fan base. Yes. Not Baylor. And it's not going to be Kansas. Sure. And then Kansas State TCU are, are too high to go to the Alamo Bowl. Unless Baylor beats Texas by 40. Or if Texas goes to the Big 12 Championship game, I could see Kansas State getting the Alamo Bowl if, they get, if they're yes. third place. Yeah. Because they I'm, travel. I'm assuming they'll go to the Big 12 title game. But it's, I mean, it's it's always been Texas. <laughs> the people do love it when we argue, though. Which is a little bit concerned. They're like, hey, are y'all going to fight about the Cowboys, the Vikings? Which is funny because that was all real. We're not, we're not doctoring anything. No, that's... That was a... And that, if the cameras were off and the microphones were off, we would have had that same conversation and have had... We've had that conversation live on the radio before. Yeah. Not specifically that conversation, but conversation. Yeah, thank like you. That. Thank you for the correction there. I was correcting myself. I, I was clarifying. Don't you like to clarify? I do, yeah. Do you want to clarify anything? By the way, today? I love that it's it spreads, you know, on Twitter that people the people now know that I don't argue. I just tell you what the facts are. I noticed your wife liked that one today. <laughs> 
which I'm sure she might have some conversations with you like this. Like multiple people on Twitter have been like, no, Kyle doesn't argue. He just tells you what the facts are. And it's true. Oh, and I said today we pre- – oh, the one your wife liked was uh, that we just present facts to each other. Yes. Yeah. With, with vigor. With vigor, yeah. The fact is that the bowl committees prioritize certain things and Texas checks those boxes. So the fact is that it's likely but not certain that they'll be the Alamo Bowl. Yes. Invitee. But again, because karma and all that, now there's like no way Texas goes to the Alamo Bowl because I've done this rant. Probably. And the haters and losers on Twitter are going to pull this clip and throw it back at me on Twitter and have at it. Maybe so. Diversified lenders. lenders. Turn your accounts receivable into cash. Diversifiedlenders.com. Thank you for your support of the gambling gouchers. Rob, any final thoughts? Um, no. I'm glad we do this podcast together, Carl. Do we complain about Big 12 road wins to punch your ticket to bowl eligibility? No, we do not.